chapter 12. Don't get too afraid. I will not (laughs) hit everything in all of Romans chapter 12. But I'm going to go ahead and read that passage to you. You can read along with me. Romans chapter 12. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by, do, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father God, we want to be people who every aspect of our lives is lived as as worship and praise and honor to you, God. And God, we want you to reveal to us any areas where that may not be happening, God. Lord, we see that you have done so much for us in giving your Son and changing our hearts 
in changing our lives, in changing our eternities. God, I pray that you would let that grace that has been shown to us propel us to worship and honor you. And I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Well, we, we come on this Mother's Day to God's Word. And you may have noticed I didn't read that particular passage uh, that talks about Mother's Day in the Bible. Why, why didn't I do that? Well, because it's not in there. It doesn't exist. There is no passage in Scripture that talks about Mother's Day. That's most likely because Mother's Day did not exist yet as a holiday, so that may be part of it. So the Bible doesn't talk about Mother's Day specifically, but that does not mean that the Bible has nothing to say about what Mother's Day represents. I know uh, many people think, and you've you probably heard this a lot, many people think that Mother's Day is nothing more than a, a scheme by Hallmark and, and candy companies and flower stores to make a lot of money, right? But I believe that Mother's Day is and should be about something more. See, I believe that Mother's Day, when rightly understood, is about honor. I believe that Mother's Day is about honoring that woman that God used uh, to literally bring you, bring me, into this world. Have you ever thought about that? You, you wouldn't even exist without that woman, uh, by God's grace, you uh, being born through her. So it's honoring her for that. In addition, it's about honoring the woman that, that God put in authority over your life. To, to nurture you, to train you up. Now, that, that person isn't always the same person, right? The, the one who brought us into the world and the one who, who nurtured us and trained us up. Uh, you know, I've got some friends who, uh, just in the last, I guess, year and a half, um, they, they adopted a son, and uh, it's just an amazing thing. He's the cutest little boy, and he's growing up. And, and that, that woman is that boy's mother, because she has been given uh, th this charge, this responsibility of nurturing and training that boy up. And I also realize uh, that, that some of us, when we think about, uh, you know, our mothers, the first thought that comes into our mind may not be honor. <laughs> it may not be appreciation. I, I know that some people may have more feelings that look like bitterness and resentment towards our mother, you know, for maybe the ways that she, she treated us, maybe cruel or, or harsh or inattentive or overbearing. But what I hope to do today is to show you that, that no matter what situation you're in, you still can and should honor your mother. Even more than that, uh, going, going much further, uh, as we contemplate this subject of showing honor— I want you to see how, how this actually works out in all of our relationships every single day. Not, not just honoring our mother, and not just on Mother's Day, but all of our relationships and every single day. Because as we'll see in a moment, this idea of honoring others is actually far more uh, than being about our mother or our father or our boss or our neighbor or, our, you know, our co-worker or our fellow church members. It's about so much more because honoring others is actually 
about honoring God. At its root, honoring others is about honoring God. And so that's, that's what we'll see today. And I want to show you that and challenge you from Romans chapter 12. Again, we are not going to hit even every verse uh, in studying this. So I don't want anyone to walk out of this room and say, we, we studied all of Romans 12. No, we're not going to. We're going we're gonna to focus on just one aspect of, of what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, um, so far as it concerns honor. And so we begin at verse number one. If you look at that, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Many of you are, are probably familiar with this verse. Um, I grew up at, with it being one of the memory verses that I was assigned at the, the, the Christian school I went to, so I've known this verse for a long time. And uh, you may even, if you're really familiar with it, you may realize that this verse is, is the pivot of the whole book of Romans. It's, it's the turning point uh, from theology to practice. Um, so basically, in the first 11 chapters, uh, more or less, Paul has been unpacking theology. He, he's been looking at, at God creating mankind— this happens in chapter 1, and then mankind rebelling against their creator. And it actually, if, if you go through all of Romans, it, it really unfolds, it unravels uh, God's entire work of redemption from the beginning. I mean, it talks about God's promises to Abram, and Abram believing God, and it being counted to him as righteousness. It tells about uh, God giving the law of Moses to his people Israel, but of their continual rejection of him. But then, the highlight of Romans, I would say, is it, it tells us about God the Son coming into this world, taking on flesh as the man Jesus, to pay the penalty that we deserve for our sin. This, this rebellion, the, the, the punishment for that rebellion, was poured out on Jesus in order that people might be saved through him. And it tells us that this can only be received by trusting in what Jesus has done. But if you trust in what Jesus has done, your sins will be no more. They will be wiped clean. You'll be given a, a new heart, a new mind. You'll be given a new eternity forever with God. And nothing can separate you from that love of God in Christ Jesus. And so that's where we come in, in this first verse. That, that's that's where we've come from. <clears throat> and Paul says there, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And so what he's saying there is, therefore, based on the past 11 chapters of God's redemptive grace, in spite of the fact that we rebelled against him, by those mercies, I appeal to to you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So what does he appeal, us, appeal to us to do? He goes on to say, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That is, 
recognize that the grace of God, recognize his redemption so much so that your body, your, your entire life, that is, is, is laid up as, as a sacrifice to God as your spiritual act of worship. God, you have saved me, you've redeemed me, you've changed me. Here's all of me. Do with me what you will. I want it to be worship. That's what Paul is urging them to do in light of what God has done for us. You know, it's, it's interesting as I think about this word, honor. Uh, I was looking up synonyms of it. Um, even in the, the, the Greek, I was looking up the, the different ways they're translated. And um, one of the words that are very similar to this word worship that we see uh, at the end, which is your spiritual worship, is the word honor. In many ways, the, the, this word honor and worship is, is synonymous, at least when we're talking about God, that, that because he is so honorable, uh, he gets that worship. And that may seem insignificant to you, that, that based on what God has done, we, we should worship him, we should honor him. But if that seems insignificant, that's, that, that misses what happened in the fall. If it, if it seems insignificant to you that you can now worship God and honor God with your life, you don't realize how, how bad things were. <clears throat> uh, at the beginning of Romans, Romans 1.21, it says this. That whole section is really good about the fall. But specifically in Rome, Romans 1.21, it says, For although they, that's humankind, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's talking about the fall. That people didn't give God the honor he deserves. And so because of that, they're, 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 uh, what does it say? They became futile in their thinking, and their hearts were darkened. That is, we didn't show honor, so our minds and our hearts actually became incapable of showing honor to God. That's, that's what depravity is. It is you no longer even have the capacity to worship and honor God. So that's, that's what we see happened in the fall. And so this, this Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, that we should worship God with our bodies as a living sacrifice, is nothing short of a reversal, a redemption of what happened to us in the fall. Paul is saying, Yes, you, you, you were depraved. No, you could not honor God. You could not worship him. But now, because of what Christ has done, you can. So honor God with your body. Worship God with your life. This is incredible. Because of what God has done for us, we can now rightly worship and honor the God of the universe that mankind rejected at the beginning. So we, we realize that we're supposed to worship God with our lives, to honor God with our lives. But the, the chapter goes on, and the way I see it is he's saying, worship God, and now here's how. So what's the first thing that Paul wants us to do in order to worship God? Uh, I'm kind of going to skip over verse 2 there that we're conformed uh, to the image of God, and I'm going to, to move to, to this first point as relates to what we're talking about today. So verses 3 through 8. If you're writing in your notes, you could put this. How do, how do we honor God? Number one, extinguish superiority over others. Extinguish it. 
get rid of superiority over others. Look at it, in, uh, starting in verse 3. Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I'll pause there for a moment. This is kind of the, the, the heading, the introduction to this little part of the passage. And, and what Paul's saying is basically, you Roman Christians, uh, you, you really shouldn't think of yourselves so highly. You, you really shouldn't think of yourselves as superior to other people. And then he goes on here uh, to show uh, exactly their particular occasion for feeling superior. And he really does that by giving the, the antidote to it. He says, verse 4 and following, For as in one body we have many members, and, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And so what we're seeing right there in verse 6 is, evidently these, these Roman Christians were feeling superior over uh, one another because of the spiritual gifts that they had received. We understand that when we're saved, God, God, God gives us gifts. He often even uses uh, the, the natural abilities he's given us, but he heightens those and makes them useful uh, for, for ministry. And so some of them were saying, well, well, I'm special because I have this gift. And, and look at me, look how good I am at this thing uh, within the Christian faith. And so here's what Paul says. Uh, I'll start back in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. Uh, the one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. And so what Paul's saying here, the antidote is, is quit seeing yourself as superior because you have these gifts. By the way, kind of the definition of a gift is something that you receive freely, right? So they're, they're feeling superior about something they received freely from God. And Paul says here, what you're actually supposed to be doing with those gifts, instead of uh, feeling superior because of them, you should be serving because of them. If God has given you the gift of teaching, then teach people. If God has given you the gift of exhortation, then exhort. If God has given you the gift of serving, then serve. You know, generosity, do it with cheerfulness. Do it in the service of others. This is, this is what Paul's saying. You guys feel superior, but you don't realize that these are gifts from God meant to serve other people. C.S. Lewis said, I believe it's in Mere Christianity, he says, A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And of course, he's talking about God. He's saying, no, you can't honor God when you feel superior over others. Because you're looking down on them. And when you're looking down on other people, you're not looking up at God. God is not receiving honor when we feel superior to other people. And so the antidote here, 
as I've kind of already drawn out, is what they should have been doing, rather than being proud and feeling superior about their gifts, they should have been looking to God. They should have been looking up saying, God, thank you for giving me this gift. You know, if you're looking to God, seeing that he has given you these gracious gifts, you're, you're not going to be proud. You're in, in fact, you're going to say, why would you give me these gifts? <laughs> I'm, I'm a sinner, God. Why, why would you give me uh, a, a person who has rebelled against you and done so much wrong against you and against other people? Why would you give me these gifts? All of a sudden, you become grateful instead of proud. And then they needed to realize that God, again, gave them these gifts, not for superiority, but for service of other people. And that is how you can honor God. That is our, our first way of honoring God, as we extinguish superiority by seeing that whatever good in you, I'm not even just talking about spiritual gifts. We can take this uh, principle and apply it. Maybe it's, you know, your bank account. Maybe it's your looks. Maybe it's uh, your personality. Whatever you feel superior uh, about in your life, we need to recognize that it's a gift from God. And if it's a gift from God, it's meant to be used to serve others. And that honors God rather than dishonoring Him. So we extinguish superiority over others. That's how we honor God with our lives. Remember, this is what we've been saved to do. This is what we are now able to do. We extinguish superiority. The next way Paul gives us uh, to, to, for how we can honor God is number two, if you want to write it down. Extend honor to others. Extend honor to others. We, we honor God by extending honor to others. You know, I was thinking about this in my own life. I don't know about you, but I like it when other people honor me, <laughs> you know? I'm just being honest with you. I, I like it when people appreciate me. I like it when people think well of me. I mean, quite honestly, after a, a sermon, if, if people come up to me and say, man, you, you said this, and it really just meant so much, I mean, that encourages me. And, and that really isn't a bad thing, honestly. There's nothing sinful about liking uh, the honor that we receive. Now, when it is sinful is, is when we're, we're very good and very eager to receive honor, but we're not very good or very eager to give honor. That, that's when it becomes a problem. We, we become a, a taker rather than a giver of honor. I, I believe God has, has wired us to, to, to want to be honored. But the problem is when we're, we're, we're selfish, uh, with that honor, it, it's sinful. Look at how Paul puts this in verses uh, 9 through 10. 9 through 10. He says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor outdo one another in showing honor. This is why I say I don't think it's a sin to like to receive honor, because God is actually commanding us to, to show honor to other people, and he would only command us to do that if it were good. Um, anyways, outdo one another in showing honor. That's the part I want to focus on. I, I can remember the first time I was kind of just reading through Romans and trying to, to read it in depth, 
And I, I got to this, this part, and I was like, just like, what are you talking about, Paul? Outdo one another in showing honor? I mean, that kind of sounds competitive to me, right? I'm more good at showing honor than you are, you know? Like, so I was, I was trying to figure out why, why would Paul want us to be competitive with other people? But the more I, I meditated, the more I thought about this passage, I began to understand what it really means and why it is such a great and beautiful command. I have a, a particular friend. We'll, we'll get back to it. I'll, I'll explain it, but this, this example might, might help you. I have a particular friend in my life that I remember, uh, I don't know, I hate to put a, a year number on it, but maybe five years ago, uh, I realized that he was shaming me all the time. Not, not on purpose. He was, he was doing good things, and it was shaming me. Here, here's kind of how it went. Uh, he and I would, would get together. We'd be hanging out, you know, and he'd be like, oh, Jeff, what's up, man? Uh, what, what's going on in your life? What, what's new? You know, what's happening? And so, you know, I, I very happily would tell him for the next 20 minutes or so, uh, well, here's all that's going on in my life. Here, here's what I'm doing. Here's what's been going on and how I feel about it. And so, you know, he, he'd be like, man, that, that's awesome. That's really cool. And so I'd be like, okay, well, well, what's going on in your life? You know, and he'd be like, well, you know, and he'd start telling me what's going on. And that would make me think of something. And so I'd be like, I'd interrupt him. You know, I'd be like, oh, well, you know what? And before you know it, he talked for 20 seconds and I still filled in the rest of that 20 minutes with, with my conversation, with what I had to say. And then I remember, you know, as we'd near uh, the end of being able to hang out, he, he would just encourage me. He'd be like, man, that's so awesome what God's doing in your life. That, that's just great. I'm so proud of you for, for doing those things. And so I, in return, would say, man, thanks a lot. This guy was showing me so much more honor than I was showing him. Do you see that? Do you see how he was outdoing me and showing honor? He wasn't waiting for me to honor him first and then show me some honor. He was just doing it. He's just doing it. And even when he wasn't receiving that honor back, you know, it wasn't quite as reciprocal as it could have been, he didn't stop. He just kept on showing honor, even though I wasn't showing it back. Of course, after he'd leave, I'd be like, oh man, I'm such a jerk, because uh, I'd think about, you know, our, our conversations and stuff, and uh, I mean, it, it did. It, it kind of, I say it shamed me, but you know, it did. It was a redemptive shaming. Man, this guy is showing me so much honor. He just doesn't even stop, and I, I truly learned a lot from him. That was a big lesson for me, uh, that like, I want to be that type of person. I want to be that type of person that wants to hear what the other person has to say, that wants to encourage them in what God is doing in their life and how proud of them I am for, for the, the things they're doing. And that, that's what I wanted to be. And God really did use that in my life. Outdo one another in showing honor. What does that mean? It means not waiting till the other person shows you honor so that you can show honor back. It means not stopping showing honor just because they don't show it to you. That church, by the way, is not just how we make friends and influence people. You know, that's the Dale Carnegie book. What I'm talking about right now is not just how we, we make other people feel good about themselves. I'm talking about how we honor God with our lives. We honor God by honoring others. 
Present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual worship. And then he comes down here, outdo one another in showing honor. This is how you worship. This is how you honor God, is by outdoing one another in showing honor. But it actually doesn't even stop there here in Romans 12. Paul, Paul takes it uh, another step forward. Because, you know, for me, that was a, a, you know, a kind of an embarrassing lesson for me with that friend that was outdoing me all the time. That was embarrassing, but it was relatively easy for me to start showing him honor, right? He's my friend. <laughs> we're, we're buddies. We grew up together, and, and God's, you know, just knit us together. And so it was relatively easy for me to, to start showing him honor, to start listening to him better and, and whatever other things. But in my own life, I found that it is not always easy for me to show honor to people. There are some people who have, you know, maybe uh, been, been unkind to me. Maybe they've talked bad about me. Maybe they've tried to hurt me in some way. And the last thing that I want to do to someone who has tried to hurt me is to then honor them. I mean, so, so again, it's, it's relatively easy to honor our friends, maybe even neutral people. What about those who have made themselves our enemies? That's the next thing Paul addresses. This is number three. Extend honor to enemies. Extend honor to enemies. So we extend honor to others, but God, through Paul, takes it a step further. Extend honor to enemies. This is how we honor God. Listen to this, uh, starting in verse 14. I'll try to emphasize the main points, but I hope you'll see uh, which one, which of these verses, you know, apply here. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And then I'll, I'll read quickly through the less applicable things. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. We already talked about that. Never be wise in your own sight. And then verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. I feel like I need to explain that, because that sounds a bit violent. This was actually uh, an Egyptian custom that when someone was repentant for their actions, when, when they were humbled, uh, you know, they realized what they did was wrong, they would take ashes and, and put them on their head, oftentimes in a tin, but that, that was uh, something that they would show other people, hey, I did this, but it, but it was wrong, and I'm repentant for that. I'm remorseful. And so he's saying, when you, when you bless those who persecute you, when you repay no one evil for evil, but instead do what is honorable, when, when your enemy is hungry, feed them, and thirsty, you give them something to drink, when you do that, it can actually have a redemptive effect on that other person. This isn't guaranteed, but it should shame them. Right? They're the one treating you badly. They're the one being mean or cruel or trying to hurt you. And you're saying, I want good for you. 
I want to honor you. I want to bless you. I want to serve you. And this final verse, I think, is a great cap here. It says, verse 21, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's, that's kind of summing up what was just said there. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What I want you to notice in that verse is it doesn't say, do not uh, overcome evil with evil. That's kind of what the saying has become, by the way. You know, just in, in uh, normal usage, people say, don't come overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's not what the verse says. The verse says, do not be overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil. What that's saying there is, this person may have sinned against you. They may still be sinning against you. But you know what? You shouldn't be overcome by that evil. You shouldn't let their sin become your sin. You shouldn't let their occasion for evil become your occasion for evil. Do not be overcome by evil. What would that look like? Well, that would look like, uh, you know... Cursing them, as it says there in 14. It would be uh, repaying evil for evil. It would be to not honor them, to not serve them. Do not be overcome by evil. But then it says there, but overcome evil with good. So, someone has wronged us. And, and, and we come to this occasion where we can either bless them or curse them or just do nothing. And we have to make a decision in that moment. In that moment of, of deepest hurt, deepest anger, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I going to be overcome by this evil? Is, is it going to become now, now something I'm involved in? Or am I going to honor God by overcoming evil with good? One of the two is going to happen. There, there is no middle way. Am I going to curse them or am I going to bless them? Am I going to avenge myself or leave it to God? Am I going to repay them for evil or do what's honorable? Am I going to dishonor God by dishonoring them or even just ignoring them? Or am I going to give my life as a sacrifice, a spiritual worship to God? Because it's, it's, it's very easy in those moments when we see that someone has done something wrong to us to feel what over them? Superior. It's very easy to feel superior when someone else has wronged us. Well, I would never do that. And then we treat them badly. You see kind of the, the hypocrisy there? You're doing the same thing as them in that moment. And that's why we need to extinguish superiority in that moment. See that, that anything good, you, you hear me? Anything good in your life, I'm talking about uh, your, your intellect, I'm talking about your, your, your financial standing, your, your spiritual gifts, even the ways that you have remained pure in life, kept from sin, all of that is a gracious gift from God. The Bible makes it incredibly clear. So this person has wronged you. You're just as capable of wronging them in the same way or wronging someone else in the same way. 
Don't feel so superior. You are simply the one who God, in, in his free gift of grace, maybe kept you from that sin. You can extinguish that superiority. You can, you can honor God by seeing him as the one who kept you from that sin. And you say, okay, I, I, or, or whatever, now, now I can serve others. And then we say, well, I'm supposed to honor others. I'm supposed to outdo others in honoring. I'm, I'm not supposed to wait for them to honor me first, and I'm not supposed to stop even when they're not, you know, returning the favor. But what about when they're my enemy? God, are you serious? That's what I have to do to honor you? That's what I have to do to worship you? Yes, that is exactly what we do. Th this almost sounds impossible. It really does. But tell me, is it any more impossible than a hundred-year-old man and his wife who is barren having a child? We know them as uh, Abraham and Sarah, right? In their old age, when Abram was as good as dead, it tells us, and his wife was barren, they had a child. Is it any more impossible than a, a young girl who was a virgin finding out that she would have a child? And she, she says, how is this going to be so since I am a virgin? And the angel says, well, nothing is impossible with God. And we know that Jesus was born of a virgin. Is this any more impossible than this God-man Jesus living a perfect life and dying the death that we deserve, receiving the punishment for sins that we deserve, and rising from the dead? He, he rose from the dead, guys. Is that not impossible? Not with God. Not with God. Is it any more impossible than God saying, you believe on this, you, you turn from your sins, you believe on this, and you will have new life and everlasting life even though you have sinned and rebelled against me. Is it any more impossible than that? None of those things, I hope, you believe are impossible because those are you know, the basis of our salvation. The, Jesus was born of a virgin and he lived and died and rose from the dead. So why then, when we come to something like this, that we're supposed to not feel superior to others, honor others, outdo them in honor, and even honor our enemies, do we believe it is impossible? But I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you today that if you have Christ in you, it is not impossible. It is, in fact, uh, doable, and you should do it. You should make every attempt to do these things. And so we come back to Mother's Day. <laughs> Can you honor your mom even if she wasn't perfect? I don't have a perfect mom. If I were a mom, I wouldn't be perfect. <laughs> kind of a weird, uh, anyways, <laughs> comparison to make. Uh, but, I mean, yes, our, our moms were not perfect, but I can tell you, she may have been on the godlier side of things, or she may have been on the, the opposite end of things, but you can and you should honor her. Honor her today. Let her know that you're thankful that she is your mother And what about all of our other relationships? Our neighbors, our bosses, our coworkers, our family, even the ones that annoy us, our fellow church people. You don't have a family that annoys you. That's just, uh, you know, fellow church people. I mean, what, what does this mean for that? 
It means that if we want to honor God, live worshipful lives for God, redeemed lives for God, that we extinguish superiority. It's all a gift from God, and we outdo one another in showing honor, even when they are acting as our enemy. This is the challenge. This is the challenge for my life, for your life, each and every day, to live a way that honors God. We honor God by honoring others. So today we're going to end a little bit different way. We good on all this, Douglas? Response? Okay. Well, we're not going to have communion, but we want to be a church that responds to God. Now, you may have already responded to God, you know, during the sermon, uh, and but what we want to do right now is give you an opportunity. This is a prime opportunity to respond to God. Douglas is going to play us a song, and we're just going to use it as a time to pray to God, to do business with God. Now, please take this seriously. Don't, don't, don't walk out of here having not talked to God about this stuff, because I can promise you the second you walk out of here, it's gone from your mind. I, by, by God's grace, he might bring it back later, but... Now is when you can repent to God, okay? Now is a great opportunity to say, God, I haven't been honoring you with my life. And I, and I know that because I haven't been honoring others. And you can repent of that. God, help me not to feel superior. Help me to look for ways to honor others, not just receive it. And now can be the, the time that we commit to what our life is going to look like in worship to God. And we say, God, will you help me do what I'm committing to do? God, I want to work out my salvation, but I need you to be working in me. God, help me to show honor to other people, even if they feel like my enemy at times. God, help me to do it, because you say that this is worship. This is honor toward you. Now, you can pray in your seats. You can can do that, do business with God there. If you want to, you're welcome to come up here to to the front, in front of the stage, or to the stairs, and kneel here, if, if that would help your heart. Uh, posture to be truly repentant and committing to God. And I will be standing up here, right here. Um, if you want to pray with me, if you would like me to pray with you, uh, I would love to do that with you. Let's do business with God.